0: Well, hello and welcome to the first episode of the Drive to Dayton for the OHSAA Boys State Basketball Tournament, which will be once again held at the University of Dayton's UD Arena. Um, This is the part of the season where things starting to heat up. We're in the 2023 portion of the schedule, which means Kurt Stubbs Starts to come out of hibernation, and he has done mourning uh, the end of the Pick Central football season. Um, so I think it's time to get the show going. Uh, we've got Mike Roth with us, and we also have Mr. T.J. Petros with us. Now, T.J., I know, I know you you've been around um, to several games this this year, but yesterday you had a great experience um, for the first time.
1: Yeah, so I, I was able to to soak in the, the Indiana Michigan State game uh, over at Assembly Hall. Um, and yeah, that was my first time being there and it was nothing short of an electric environment. I, it was unbelievable. And for those of you who haven't been to Assembly Hall, the one thing that kind of stood out to me is the fact that most arenas kind of go out and up, whereas Assembly Hall almost goes like straight up. So it it literally feels like the crowd is like right over top of the game. Um, yeah, and their students were incredible. Yeah, it was just a, it was a big time game.
0: Yeah, one one thing I've always said about IU basketball, <clears throat> um, it stinks because they treat basketball in that state like we treat football and it's hard to swallow when like Ohio state who just casually watches basketball until spring football starts. And then they beat, you know, Indiana in the big, you know, I mean, for, for the better part of two or three decades now, you know, Indiana hasn't been um, outside of a few years there with, um, with Crean and then back with with samson and um they just haven't haven't returned to what they should be with a fan base like that so um i guess the best way i could put it is they they treat um basketball the same way ohio state people treat the football team so um mike seems like he's got things going um I think they're starting to get healthy and uh, to me they're they're really a team I mean when you got a uh, college superstar uh, guy that's been around for like 55 years and Trace Jackson Davis um, and, and if they're starting to get healthy and Hood Shafino's playing really well um, getting better as a freshman I think they're going to be a team to, to reckon with come March.
1: Yeah, I would agree. Um... Trace Jackson Davis was an absolute monster yesterday. I think he finished with 31 and 15. Uh, yeah, they got off to a slow start, but they ended up winning by double digits. Uh, yeah, it was it was my first time making the trip. It's actually my first Big Ten game in person, believe it or not. Um, so that was a, a heck of a way to start it off for me.
0: Well, TJ, while you were in Bloomington, Mike Roth was in a place – Maybe is electric. He was uh, he he was in uh, uh, at Brush High School yesterday. I'm I'm pretty sure uh, for the yep. Chet Mason Invitational. Uh, I saw Mike briefly on Saturday in Columbus. Uh, so another busy weekend for you, Mike.
2: Yeah, another weekend. Um, only did the first four games at the Chet Mason Invitational, but got to see. Um, ISA was the most important uh, team for me to see that day. But also, uh, I got to see the alma mater, the Fairview Warriors, for the first time <laughs> since 2020. So that was a uh, nice little treat uh, to just see how the program was doing. Because, yes, yeah, since COVID started, haven't been able to go to a game. So got to see them. Um, and they gave Medina a good game. Only down, I think, one point at halftime against Medina. Um, scored the ball pretty well. Just uh, third game in three days uh, for division three public school didn't, didn't end up going our way, but yeah, lots, of lots to be happy about as a, uh, Fairview alum.
0: Did you have any, uh, did you have any stroke in getting those guys in that event or, uh, was it not just, the, the same. Hey. <laughs> so not really,
2: um, Fairview needed a game late in the year and they got hit up by a couple different programs. Um, and I suggested, uh, Medina over some of the other programs that asked them to play because I thought it'd be a more competitive game um, and still a game against an elite opponent. And that game happened to be um, at the Chet Mason Invitational. So no like direct ties, but I did encourage them to go play Medina. Um, Just happened to be at that event.
0: Yeah. I mean, we're getting to, to the point uh, of the year now where like, you know, a lot of the, we've, we've had a ton of these, uh, either like three four day events like we did over martin luther king weekend and then you got a lot of one day multiple games we're getting to the point of the season where it's it's um you know getting down to the very end and all these games moving forward are are really significant um for those teams that are going to make a run in the tournament because we all three of us know that if you're going to make a run in march this is the time when these teams start you know, peaking and hitting their stride and getting on those runs. And you're like, wow, man, this isn't even the same team that we saw in November or December. They they look completely different. Um, Mike and TJ have seen a ton of games. I don't know if you guys know exactly how many games you've seen this year, but I'm sure it's been uh, a, a significant amount for both of you.
1: Yeah, yeah I, would I'm, have to, I, would, I would have to probably go through my calendar, but if I had to put just a rough guesstimate on it, I would say I've seen probably close to 60, 60 or so, 50 to 60 or so games, somewhere in that ballpark. Uh, it's the, it's, it's, I think you're low, because uh, I'm at 109. So I'd assume probably you're probably the, at around 80,
2: 85.
1: Yeah, I probably have, yeah. those uh The multi-game showcase events certainly help uh, yeah. In that regard, and they're perfect for me. Uh, so my strategy has always been to cover Northeast Ohio during the week, and then use the weekends to hit the road, whether it be Columbus, Northwest Ohio, or you know Cincinnati or Dayton.
0: So the two guys that that, uh, that are going to carry this show have, and it's not like um, these guys that I brought on here see the same teams over and over and over again. Um, they're seeing a multitude of teams. Um, a multitude of players, so I, I feel like you guys have as good a viewpoint as anybody uh when it comes to you know just seeing the the entire state um and, and what what is out there and um you know what this tournament picture is eventually gonna look like um what I want to start with is um and this doesn't have to be a, a single team or, or or anything like that. But is there anybody, uh, I'll start with you, TJ, uh, any team um, either this week or, or recently that is really uh, standing out to you?
1: Uh, off the top of my head, I think I would have to, to give a shout-out to Coach Flannery uh, and the St. Edward Eagles. Um, I believe they had four games last week, um, starting with Spire, uh, and then they played I want to say Cleveland Central Catholic, Bill Angeles, St. Joe's, and then they just beat Garfield Heights yesterday in an overtime win. Uh they, I'm sure, Mike, I'm pretty sure you saw that game, right? Got yep, closer. Yeah, so I mean they're they're currently undefeated and I think since I've been around this is one of Coach Flan's best coaching jobs. Uh it's coming into the year, I I think we all knew that there would be a, a ton of parity. And I think in years when no one is great, I think coaching and culture make the difference. And what, what I've watched them do, uh, considering you know their roster, they do have some talent. But compared to years past, it's just a different-looking St. Edwards team. But the one thing that hasn't changed is just how they play. Uh, I mean, the phenomenal passing team, guys are going to back-cut you, flash-cut you move the ball, make shots, they have versatile forwards that can step out and shoot it, comfortable playing on the perimeter. You got guys like Cameron Grant, Wendell Henry, Danny Lavelle. Um, but I think the guy who's been the catalyst for them thus far, and I hope I'm not butchering his last name. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say it, uh, but his name is Lucas Perusic. He's like a six-foot, six one guard, um, played football up until this past season, but he is a dynamic athlete at the point guard position, likes to you know, drive and set the table for his teammates, and he is an absolute competitor and, I think, one of the more underrated players in Northeast Ohio right now.
0: So St. Ed's um, that TJ mentioned, currently uh, number one in the state uh, in the latest AP poll, also um, number one in the current Martin RPI ratings. Um, how about you, Mike? Anybody uh, standing out to you lately?
2: Yeah, so TJ went to D1, so I think yeah. it's only an obligation for me to go small school. I got two teams right now. Um, first one, uh, we're going to shout out Martins Ferry. Um, they're sitting at 14 and out in Division III, Um and they put up a decent amount of points. Uh, 71 against St. Clairsville, 73 against Cambridge, 82 against Bel Air. Um, they're playing some really good basketball. A team I definitely uh, hope to see uh, potentially at the combo, um, sitting at 14 and 0 right now. And then the other team I'm going to shout out is Miami East. Uh, they're led by a junior duo of Jacob Roth and uh, Wes Enos. Um They're sitting at 15 and 1. Their only loss was against Westerville North by three points in overtime. Um, I haven't gotten a chance to see them in person yet this year, um, but I know TJ uh, recently saw them. Uh, they're playing some great basketball and definitely one of the top teams uh, in Division Three.
0: Yeah, and I'll just quickly shout out a couple of teams that you guys covered, one, three, and four. Um, to me, a team that, that is really, really good is Bishop Reedy. Um, Absolutely. Just... Just solid in almost all aspects of the game. Extremely well coached basketball team um, uh, with it with a guy Tony Basuti that has uh, won uh, everywhere he's been. He's won. He won big at Dublin Scioto, um, and he's got Reedy currently undefeated. This is a team that that is a real threat in Division Two, um, and then uh, another team that uh, I wanted to mention is Defiance. Uh, They're kind of flying under the radar a little bit in the Western Buckeye League. I know that a lot of times that that league, uh, the talk is is usually Ottawa Glendorf and rightfully so, Um, but Defiance is having a heck of a season this year. Um, Currently, I wanna say they're about 14 and one on the season. So those two teams in division two, and there's obviously some some great teams in division two, but those teams uh, have been standing out to me lately. Um
1: and I I think Bishop Reedy is a is a is a great call and it's uh they were it's almost hard to say they were a victim of competitive balance right moving up from division 3 to division 2 uh but when you look at things in central ohio if I'm a if I'm a good team in central ohio I would much rather play division 2 than division 3 so I I think that's going to bode well for them you know come february march and like you said, Coach Basuti runs, I'm mean, a phenomenal, you know, offense. They play great basketball. They're led by a trio of seniors that I really like. Uh, you got Luke Ruth, Caleb Schaefer, Charlie Russell, guys that just flat out compete and make shots, play together. And you, you can just tell by watching that team play the chemistry that they have and that they've been together for a while.
0: Yeah, they play like a team that was beat um in the final minutes of a game last year in the tournament, which they
1: They were were, I think I believe they were up ten at halftime last year against Afrocentric and then I think Dalen Swain just kind of flipped that switch like he like he normally does. But yeah, they they were right there and they were honestly I thought they were the team that was going to make it out of Central Ohio last year.
0: Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with them moving up to division two. A lot of times that's uh you know, for a D3 team, that sometimes that's a death sentence when you get moved up to D2 or, or D2 to D1. But in this case, it, it it's a rarity where it looks like it's going to work out in their favor. Um, Mike, I'll give you the first shot at this one. Is there one player right now that's popping to you?
2: Um, yeah, I'm going to go with a sophomore, actually. And, and I'm going to say Derek Barber. Um, for Richmond Heights. He's been one of the best players. Oops, sorry. Here, TJ, you go real quick before my go.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm, I would say I'm probably the, the biggest supporter of the Derek Barber fan club. Uh, definitely uh, one of the better sophomores in the state of Ohio. And if you watch this Richmond Heights team play so far this season, I just think the, the way that they play, like the brand of basketball is much different. Uh, whereas I thought in the years past, they were getting by off of, you know, size, talent and athleticism, but this, this Richmond Heights team can flat out shoot it. They play with just like with a competitive spirit. They got versatile guys that can do different things. Um, the additions of, you know, Jeremy Wilson and Jose Steele made a big difference. Um, but I would say a kid that's kind of stuck out to me who's been on the radar since he was a freshman, but I think has really kind of turned things up a notch heading into his senior year, uh, would be Coy Thurman over at Akron Booker. Uh, I think for, they, they played an absolute gauntlet of a the schedule. They played one of the top teams out of St. Louis. They went out west and played in the Tarkanian Classic, I believe. Uh, they just played, I believe, yesterday or Saturday, against Ferndale out of Michigan, who's one of, you know, one of the top teams in that area. Um, and, yeah, Coy's just been phenomenal. I think he's made some, some strides in terms of how well he's shooting the basketball. And when you let him get left, it is bad news bears. I mean, he uses his strong frame. He finishes at the rim off two feet, gets a lot of paint touches, makes really good decisions off the bounce. Uh, so he's a kid that I think can be the difference in a wide open division Two as far as Northeast Ohio goes, uh, you're looking at like a Lutheran West, Akron Buchtel, uh Akron East has made a lot of noise. I think they're a team who coming into the year, didn't get a, a lot of credit, but I think coach Chad Hazard has done a phenomenal job over there as well. But I think, you know, when it comes to March guards, win games. And I, I think Corey Thurman is a guy that can win some games.
2: Yeah. Akron East actually, uh,
1: beat Buchtel on Sunday, 68-65. 60, uh, yeah, and that was a game that unfortunately there was um, uh, an altercation in the stands that, that kind of delayed that game. So I believe they stopped it with about five minutes left in the third quarter.
0: So we had a little, little technical difficulty here, but um, Mike was talking, uh, just getting ready to tell us about Derek Barber um, of Richmond Heights, uh, the player that really had uh, jumped out to him. Recently.
2: Yeah, yeah. Barber, um, TJ mentioned it as well, Um, just really uh, has taken
1: Richmond.
0: Well, ladies and gentlemen, you don't know what happened on the other end here, but we are back from our second technical difficulty. I think we have it fixed now. Um, Mike just said that I'm definitely in preseason form and definitely need some more some more work before the tournament run here. So before we were cut off his second time, Mike was kind of going in on his, um, his player that that has been standing out to him. TJ um, had mentioned um, his guy prior to this, but Mike was talking about Derek Barber um, of Richmond, unbeaten Richmond Heights.
2: Yeah. And that's been uh, most impressive about Barber's season is that his team is winning um, and he's playing a huge role in their victories. Kind of like an old school point guard that that a lot of um, uh, guys who've been watching high school basketball for uh, years upon years are probably gonna enjoy his game. Um, And Richmond Heights is having a ton of team success. They're beating uh, plenty of the top teams around Northeast Ohio and also picked up a big win at Blind of the Hoop over of the league leaders in the GMC, which is the top public school league in Southwest Ohio. Um, so, yeah, a lot to like about Richmond Heights and Barber this season.
0: Yeah, I mean, there there's so many players um, we could mention that are having standout seasons um, just right off the top of my head. Um, you've, you've got several guys that are, that are in that running um, for Mr. Basketball uh, right now. Um, but we're just talking about guys that, that stand out. Uh, Colin White, certainly at Ottawa Glandorf has just been an absolute killer. Uh, he broke the OG scoring record uh, last week with 44 points and a 30-point beat down at St. Mary's. Um, he is, it'll be interesting to see if he can will that team back to Dayton. Um, but, he, you know, we've, we've just mentioned a few guys, and as the weeks go on, we'll be mentioning more and more guys on this show. Um, what about – is there anybody that jumps out to you of teams that maybe aren't quite living up to, like, preseason expectations uh, at this point, TJ?
1: Uh, I, I would say uh, the, the first team that comes to mind would be a Lakota East – uh, a team that, that many expected to be in the top ten uh, of Division One, and you know they hit a rough stretch to, to start the season, uh, but I believe Coach Atkins down there can get things rolling. They have a really good sophomore guard and Trey Perry, uh, some seniors and Julian Mitchell. Uh, they they have a chance. I mean they're they're usually year in year out one of the toughest teams in the Cincinnati area, and I think it's just a matter of time before they get it going.
0: How about you, Mike?
2: Um, their record is uh is not too bad, but I think uh, menner has kind of failed to reach preseason expectations so far. Uh, maybe that's because the preseason expectations were so high. Um, but they're sitting at eleven and three. Um, got blown out by Saint Ignatius at the Cleveland play-by-play. Um, they picked up uh, four straight wins since that. They gave up seventy-two points to Division Four a cornerstone Christian, but Menner has a lot of talent with the Iopolo brothers, Matt Bedell, um, and another couple role pieces, uh, who can certainly put the ball in the bucket, but, um, if Menner can start getting stops, I still think this is a team talented enough to win a district in Northeast Ohio's division one. Um, that's going to be really, really balanced and deep in my opinion.
0: Yeah, those are, those are definitely two teams, um, that are not used to be not used to not being um at the top of the mountain uh per se of those you know top 10 to 15 teams year in and year out in division 1 um let's take a look at uh i wanted to run through these teams and see which of these teams do you think uh will remain unbeaten and which of these teams you think um schedules probably too tough down the stretch. Uh we'll start with the the only Division 1 team that is unbeaten right now is Lakewood St. Ed's and uh, I'll just uh give you the schedule so they they've got uh Cleveland Benedictine and then a back to back uh road games at St. V and St. Ignatius. Uh and then they play Solon John Hay at Brecksville and then Home against Richmond Heights. I don't think that they come out of this unbeaten. What do you guys think?
1: Uh, I, I would, I would have to agree with you. I think that stretch um, of Ignatius and Saint V is, I, I think that my gut tells me they split. They split those two games. I, I think it, it, it would be very impressive if you can knock off both Cam and Drew Joyce in back to back games. Uh, I'm trying to look and see if either one of those games are on the road. Uh let's see.
0: Yeah, I think they both are.
1: Yeah, they both are. Yeah. January twenty seventh and then February third. Yeah, I, I would yeah, I would say that they do not come out of this last, what, three, six, seven games unscathed. I, I think they drop one or two.
0: And then back- I agree. Brexville Brexville beat them last year, correct?
1: Correct. Yeah, that game both me and TJ were at. Yeah, that was a uh, that was one of the better games I think I saw last year. Uh that was when uh Brexville guard Luke Skaljack kind of had his coming out party uh to Northeast Ohio. I think he scored 34 points. Uh he was phenomenal. It was on the road. It was a uh, St. Ed's senior night uh it it was about as good as a of an individual performance as i think i've seen in the last year or two yeah it was the first time ed's lost to a northeast
2: ohio public school at home in like almost a decade the last one to do it was Glenville, um i think in like 2012. so um yeah really impressive victory for brecksville there um that rematch now at brecksville should be a pretty interesting one as both teams get ready for the playoffs
0: and you mentioned Luke and that's a, that's another guy we could have mentioned um as far as guys that are uh really playing well um in the 2022 2023 season uh division 2 uh according to my stats I have 3 undefeated remaining Reedy uh Maysville which is just outside of Zanesville and then Holy Name who's kind of uh done this a little bit under the radar, um, you know, maybe not for, for you guys, but for, for most of the state, I, I think they'd be surprised to know that Holy Name was undefeated. Um, Reedy's interesting because they still have um, three league games, DeSales, Watterson, and Hartley, and those games in the CCL are always going to be the first team to 40 wins. Um, so, it's interesting. Um, I don't know, the sale, you know, Watterson, Hartley, I mean, those are all rivalry games and then they play, also St. Charles, I should mention, they also got Highland and Dayton Dunbar left on that schedule. So, again, I I, I could be wrong, but I think somebody gets them before the tournament.
1: I, I would have to agree. Uh I think that that Highland game on a neutral floor, Highland, regardless of, of how much talent they have, is always a team that is just physical and just great defensively, especially in the half court. Uh They're a team that we've kind of gotten accustomed to seeing down in, you know, whether it's Columbus or Dayton in the final four. So that's not, yeah, it's not an easy win either. And then I believe they play, like you said, Dayton Dunbar, which is also going to be on a neutral floor. Um, at the Ottawa glandorf Winter classic on February
0: 4th so and then Maysville um Maysville's game at Tri Valley I think is going to be a really hard game for them to win um, looking at their schedule uh, they play Sheridan and John Glenn at home but I think it's that Tri Valley game on the road that that could be the tough game for Maysville and then holy name
2: yeah, I think uh Go ahead, with Mike. Maysville, they got a little – they got lucky because they only play West Muskingum once, um, and they beat them on the road. And West Muskingum is actually 8-1 uh, and one in conference play. They're sitting at second um, in the MVL. Um, and Maysville and West Muskingum were two teams I got to see over the summer. Um, and both of them impressed me um, with how they were playing in June and both have turned that into success in – in the season. So it's good to see uh, Maysville do that. Uh, a team that doesn't have the historical success of some other MVL programs. Really, really good season uh, for them right now. They got a big victory on the road against a, it was an unbeaten battle with Malvern. I think it was 10 0 versus 9 and 0. They got that win. So definitely want to shout them out as uh, one of the more impressive teams from uh, the East District, I think.
0: Correct.
1: Yeah. And I think one thing to keep notice, um, you know, kind of keep tabs on with holy name is, unfortunately, due to the, you know, the OHSAA's transfer policy, um, they will be without sophomore Max Ballin for the rest of the year. Uh, so Max is a sophomore who transferred over from Cuyahoga Heights, a uh, really talented young player uh, who has a lot of, I think, long-term upside, could be a really good kid down the road. Uh, his dad played at Villanova uh he he was one of the i I believe one of their top three to four leading scorers so that makes things a little difficult for them
0: something to keep an eye on there for holy name moving forward uh division three you have um martin sferry still undefeated liberty benton still undefeated and ashland crestview um Martins Ferry, I'm looking at their schedule. Uh, I, I, I believe it's tonight they play um, at Brook, which is a West Virginia school on the other side of the river in Steubenville. Um, that could be a tough game tonight for Ferry, but uh, obviously at Bel Air, huge rivalry game will be difficult. Um, they outscored Bel Air 30, I want to say 38-6. to um, in the second quarter of their first game, they're um, they are they're a very good team. They have a really good senior point guard that transferred in from Lindsley, um, and then they have a sophomore named Alex Reese. It's about 6'5", 6'6", uh, really versatile kid for them. So they've got a little bit of talent right now at Martins Ferry, um, but they also have to play. They're going to obviously be in the OVAC tournament, so they're going to have to play Two tough games for them in that, and then they'll probably be in the Buckeye 8 championship game um, playing the the winner from the North Division, which is likely going to be Indian Creek. So Martins Ferry is an interesting uh, team that um, uh, a lot of games uh, left to go for them. Um, Liberty Benton uh, has a game at or at home but it's against Defiance. I think that's a game they probably they lose uh on paper, but uh obviously that's why we play the game. And then Crestview, Ashland Crestview is at Lucas tomorrow night, and I think that's gonna be a tough game for them.
2: Yeah, and yeah, I get to see Lucas um at the Harvest Prep thing. They uh they got a good guard good senior guard and they play uh, tough defense. If they can beat you off the bounds, um kick out to shooters. They're they're a tough team to beat. So that'll be a good game. Um, Two teams pretty close to each other as well. So I'm assuming pretty big rivalry out there.
0: TJ, you mentioned uh, Cuyahoga Heights. Um, Yes, they're, they're still undefeated. And you were talking about, is that where the kid from Holy Name came from?
1: Yeah, he, he transferred over, I believe, in, in the summertime. Um, was it Cuyahoga Heights or Cuyahoga Falls? He was at Cuyahoga Heights. Oh, okay. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, that's a pretty impressive job for them to to still be unbeaten, uh, you know, losing who was probably – he was probably their most talented guy last year. Um, that's a team that I personally have not seen yet, um, but a good chance that I potentially see them come postseason.
0: Well, they got two games – they got a, a home and a home with uh... – Lutheran West, remaining oh, yeah. so, um, probably not going to stay undefeated, uh, but a great season thus far nonetheless. Um, and the other team, the other two teams in Division Four, undefeated right now are Richmond Heights. Uh, I have the game at Eds circled as the one that either allows them to be undefeated or, or I think you know, ends that unbeaten season. Obviously, Coach Q wants that state that back to back state title more than that that game at and,
1: and that's a game uh I believe they played it around the same time a year ago uh, It was towards the, the end of the year after the the tournament draw and the seedings came out and I believe Richmond Heights won that game last year with their yep. uh, you know, senior josiah harrison company um I, i'm not I think Josiah might not even have played that game. Uh, so, yeah, definitely, like, to me, I think games that come after that tournament draw, after that seeding, are a little up in the air. It's uh, just a matter of, you know, who has pride in that moment who doesn't. You know, who's kind of looking ahead, who's still trying to, you know, close out the regular season strong.
0: And then the other remaining Division Four undefeated team is uh, a team, I believe Mike Roth is familiar with, Leesburg-Fairfield. Um, they... They have a game at Fayetteville-Perry, who is the leader in the other division in the Southern Hills Athletic Conference. They also have a game with North Adams. They won that game by three the first time around, and then closed the season at Lynchburg, uh, Lynchburg Clay. So, I'd be interested to see if uh, Lee's uh, Fairfield can go uh, undefeated here in the regular season.
2: Yeah, I saw them last year in, um, I believe it was the district title game. Um, and they knocked off Lucasville Valley. Um, they had, uh, like w- only one or two seniors playing big minutes last year. So I'm not surprised, um, that they're having as good of a season that game against North Adams. Um, they'll be going against Branson Copas, who's one of the top scores in Southeast Ohio. So pretty interesting game right there. Fairfield definitely looking like one of the favorites in the Southeast district for, um, division four as they're having another great season
0: so it's going to be interesting to follow these teams over the next couple of weeks i couldn't agree with tj anymore about after the tournament draw it's just like you never know what you're going to get uh sometimes teams you know are, are so focused on on that matchup in the tournament and and kind of lose sight of the, those last couple of um regular season games, unless, you know, you're like, um, I love what the OVAC does with their, you know, their tournament, you know, games that matter, um, a a trophy on the line, if you will. Uh, Some may call it a t-shirt game. And, And I think that really keeps kids, especially, let's just be honest, most of those teams, like in a conference like that, aren't playing for a state title. So winning that OVAC championship is a big deal. Um, and, and something like that in a tournament format to keep those coaches, teams, um, and communities locked in, I think is a pretty cool idea.
1: I'd like to – personally, I, I know it takes away from, you know, non-conference games, but I'd I like to see the, the idea of more conference tournaments. Um, even if it's not a, a tournament, I like what the Senate League does in Cleveland, how mm-hmm. uh, they take the, the top two teams. They play it at the, you know, Rocky Mortgage Fieldhouse. And like you said, because after that tournament drawing, there's not a, a ton of meaningful games at that point. Uh, so I, I like that idea. Like you said, continuing to give the kids, you know, some incentive and some motivation to keep playing and winning games. Yeah, I think um, it, I don't
2: know how feasible it would be with the OCC, but you could like match up um, divisions. I have like number one seed in one division play the number one in the different, and then go down to three, four, five. Uh, six. So then you just, you just have to leave one open date at the end of the year, um, to play like a matching, uh, division champion or somebody who finished that same record as that. Um, so yeah, would, would definitely be interesting. It's, uh, always unique seeing how conferences
1: from other parts of the states operate, um, and do things. I think it's I think it's funny, you know, because I one thing I do like on my website is like I chart the entire OHSAA tournament from, you know, sectional semis all the way down to, you know, the state championship game in each division. And it's almost like our the entire state is not on one accord uh when it comes to when the tournament starts. I you, you have teams who who start sectional, the sectional tournament while other teams still have two to three regular season games left, it, it's it's mind blowing to me that you know we can't you know provide a more universal tournament. I would like to see the drawing come after the conclusion of the regular season. I, I don't understand why we why we do that with a week or two left to go. Uh, so just some things i I would love to see all the district boards kind of come together. And the regional boards just kind of come and get on the same page as far as that stuff is concerned.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And those are some topics that I think we should uh, dive deeper into uh, in the coming weeks as we get closer to tournament. I I really like conversations like that. And, uh, I mean, there's been times where I'm eating my Valentine's Day dinner and teams are already checking out of the sectional tournament down in southeast Ohio. Um, It's crazy. You know, and some of these teams are are obviously if you're playing at the Final Four, you're playing in mid to to late March, and some of these teams have been out for five or six weeks. It's yeah, it's crazy.
1: I'm looking at a, a team schedule right now, and there is an event in Northeast Ohio on February 20th. Yep, like a showcase an event with I, I believe it's like four games. So by the 20th of February you have teams like like you said who are going to be in the district semis. There'll be it is.
0: some teams getting the uh the uh the batting gloves and the and the catcher's mitts out by then.
1: Absolutely.
0: <laughs> All right, so we're going we're going to close the show with just a, a couple uh of different games that I want to I want to play here. First I'm one down. the first one is buy or sell. All right. So the computers and when I say when i say computers guys i'm referring to martin's rpi um and you know we we can we can get into that at another point um just know that i, I love what the guys doing it's his it's 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 going to get better and better um he busts his rear end he works extremely hard adding the girls side of things this year uh guys got to be a complete animal to do that
1: oh I, um, if, if he's doing that by himself yeah he i I tip my cap because that is phenomenal well whether regardless if you like the system, love the system, agree with yeah. it, disagree with it it is uh it's still to me a phenomenal source in terms of record mm-hmm. and you know kind of keeping track of things so I think he does a phenomenal job uh from that standpoint, but the system definitely uh makes for a good conversation yeah uh, you know depending on a lot of the the rankings that I've seen over the last few weeks.
0: So I'm looking at Division One, and four of the top seven teams are Brexville, Stowe, Nordonia, and Avon Lake in Division One. Is there any team in that group of four that you are
1: buying? I would, I would buy Brexville, and I actually, I like Stowe. I, I Stowe. Okay, I, w- I was going to take Stowe. Since yeah, I, I believe, I believe uh, Stowe only has two losses this year to Brexville and Nordonia. They got big wins over Massillon-Jackson, St. V, Walsh-Jesuit, and Uniontown-Green. So I, I think Coach Close, who it feels like he's been at Stowe longer than I've been alive, uh, has done a phenomenal job. He's got a bunch of really good seniors over there. Uh, you got Timberlake, Costello, uh, Baskerville. Uh, they... They're they're a fun group. I thought last year they were a team that we kind of looked at as sneaky good, and I think this year they're a team that's just flat out good.
0: Mike, are you uh, are you agreeing in the in the buy there with Brexville and and Stowe?
2: Yes, yeah, Stowe was going to be my number one. So when TJ took Rexville first, I was like, all right, don't have to switch off of that.
0: All right, so in. In Division Two, this this would be an interesting one. Um, are you are you buying um, Lutheran West as the top Division Two team in Northeast Ohio?
1: Buy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think um, what Coach Duke has done over there this season uh, has been a, a re- he's done an incredible job. It was a team that I heard a lot about this summer. You know, playing in different leagues and shootouts and going to different team camps. I heard that they had a lot of young talent kind of coming through the pipeline. Uh, and to do what they've done so far this year without their senior big man, uh, Bubu who's, who tore his ACL in June. Uh, I think if, if he's playing, they might not only be the, the top division two team in Northeast Ohio. I think they have a, a legit chance to be the favorite in division two. And I think next year they're probably the hands-on paper
2: yeah yeah i agree
1: um i think
2: i think that the top three teams in d2 right now are chaminade julian lutheran west and bishop reedy um lutheran west has a lot of impressive wins um and they they've just been playing some really good basketball um also i want to note that i was 4-0 and in my varsity career against lutheran west
0: side note
2: (laughs) that is that is Fairview's main rival, by the way for those who don't know yeah
1: I think uh what the what that junior guard uh Jason Levis uh, has done over at Lutheran West he was a kid who uh I had heard about he was at Berea Mid Park I believe he averaged like 18 20 points a game last year as a sophomore I didn't get a chance to see him but he was on my radar uh he's a kid who made the move over to Lutheran West uh and he has quickly become one of my favorite kids to watch in, in in all of the state. He's this six foot, kinda skinny white kid. He walks in the gym. He doesn't pass the eye test, uh, but he is an absolute gamer. Uh kid is a big time rhythm really shot maker, really good at creating space off the dribble. Uh he's a very capable passer. He plays with an edge to him that I really like. Uh yeah, so he's a kid. It was It's been a a pleasant surprise, Uh, not only watching him, but the rest of the team uh, with the the Meyer twins. Uh, Derek Fairley has had some really impressive moments as well. So uh, their team, absolutely, I I could see making the trip to UD. It would be very interesting to see um, where they go, whether they go out west, whether they stay out here. Um, But I would say Lutheran West, Akron Buchdahl, Akron East, maybe uh, outside looking in. As far as the top three teams uh, in Northeast Ohio in Division Two,
0: would you guys consider? Well, obviously they're in Northeast Ohio. Youngstown Ursuline is is in that kind of forgotten area of the state, um, but also another team in Division Two that's currently twelve and one, having a real nice season. Um, I do want to give Roth his flowers. He mentioned uh, Lutheran West last year uh, when we were in our tournament picks and previews and stuff like that. Um, and to be honest with you, I hadn't heard anybody mention the name Lutheran West since Richard Samru, who played at Illinois, and that was a long time ago. Uh, so, you know, great job um, over there. Those guys are, are really, um, have improved significantly, and they're definitely in the conversation for top teams in the state in Division Two. All right, Division 3, buy or sell. I'm going to list a few teams here out of the Southeast slash East. Are any of these teams capable of knocking um, Afrocentric and or harvest prep out of the tournament um, in Athens? Menford, Garraway, Martins Ferry, Malvern, and south point are you buying any of those uh five teams to have the potential to end uh afrocentric and or harvest preps run to ud arena
2: i'm uh i'm gonna say two of them have a shot to i'm gonna say martin's ferry and i'm gonna say minford um i was at the game Afrocentric versus garraway last year Um, and it went about how you would expect. Garraway just didn't make enough shots from the outside, couldn't uh, contain the athleticism of Dalen and Swain. Um, But they put together a good fight, and they returned a a majority of their team, so they're another team that I could see doing it. But I think Minford, um, you have the shot-making of Miles Montgomery, um, and I just think they don't turn the ball over that much. They've had some impressive wins this season. Um they're a team that I really like they they were just outside my top ten preseason in division three um and then uh martin's ferry their their team if they can if their scoring is legit um that might be a way that you could upset an after-centric or harvest prep trying to outscore them instead of trying to take the air out of the ball
1: yeah i, I would i would personally it'd be it'd be a hard sell for me uh, i i <laughs> I still believe that the century is probably the the odds-on favorite to come out of that region. Uh, I think the the addition of Cortez Freeman um from Canal Winchester was a a huge pickup for Coach Bass and Company. I think he gives them you know an added scoring punch. He's a kid who fits I think right into the the mold of what they like to do defensively and how they want to play that up-tempo brand of basketball. I think it gives them a, another, a legit second option that they may or may not have had a year ago.
0: Yeah, I, I saw Afrocentric Saturday night against Pick Central. And, you know, one thing that I have made the mistake of doing before is, like, when you see a D3 or D4 team play really, really well against a powerhouse D1 team, a lot of times you, like, just kind of write them into you know, oh, well, they're going to smash this team, this team, and this team. But when you watch them play against, like, a pick central, they're they're going to be extremely motivated. Um, you know, Swain looks across the court and sees his AAU teammate, kid he's known for a long time. Um, the crowd was electric in the gym that night. Um, that's a big game uh, for the City League teams uh, to come over to a, a Division One state, reigning state champ um, in the OCC. So that was a, so I don't I don't get completely fooled by that anymore. I, I do think uh, a team like Garraway, I saw them play against Lindsley a couple weeks ago, who is super talented, um, coached by a former Division One head coach, um, and those two rodent twins for Garaway um, are extremely tough. Six three, six four ish, very really versatile. Really
2: play football as well.
0: Yeah, so. I'm not saying that they're going to beat Afrocentric and/or Harvest Prep, um, just to, you know. I, but I do think the way they play, and as fundamental as they are, and with the size and length that they have, I think that they could give them trouble. But I'm out. I'm selling. <laughs>
2: do you know? Do you know if Garraway and Martins Ferry will have to play in the district finals, or could both of them win a district? and make
0: it down to OU? <clears throat> I think they would have to play. Um, okay. I know Division Four in the is East it? District this year is getting two teams, which they should. Um, okay. Uh, I don't need to see two Central Ohio Division Four teams anymore. Um. All right. Last one on the buyer's sell. Babe Kwasniak. Yeah, babe, you had to wait 45 minutes to hear your name in this show babe kozniak in his cornerstone Christian squad is the biggest threat to Richmond Heights repeating
1: bye i I think that I think this group that I, I haven't seen yet um and i I'm looking forward to catching them hopefully early on in the postseason maybe in the districts um uh, but when you have turtle kozniak I think what he just did to Mentor the other night, uh, I was kind of following along on Twitter. Uh, the kid had 28 points at halftime, finished with 49. Uh, they have another really talented sophomore over there as well. Uh, so, Babe, you know, when I talk to him on the phone, he absolutely loves this group. Uh, you know, he thinks they have a legit chance. And, uh, I'll be very curious to see how it plays out, but I would say they are the one team in Division Four, gun to my head, that I think has a, a chance. And I think it will probably be, if they match up, will be Richmond Heights closest game of the of the Div- division four postseason.
0: I well wa- I watched that Mentor um cornerstone game on uh shout out talk back sports. Uh they do a fantastic job. Um that I, I need I needed to get a water. Um after watching the first half of that game, I mean, it was played at an absolutely just frantic pace. Um, Kwasniak, uh, Turtle Kwasniak that is, I mean, his release is so quick and it is, I mean, legit 30 feet. Um, No, like just no memory of last shot either. Um, and I know Babe, you know, wants him to play like that, um, but I, I'm with you, TJ. I think I think a lot of people thought the three best teams in Division Four last year were Dalton, um, Cornerstone, and Richmond Heights.
2: Oh, I think I think that Tri Village and Antwerp were better. Um... I think they were the second and third best teams last year. I'm gonna I'm gonna show some respect. I mean, I can't believe Stubbs they go for this um, between Rusha or Jackson Center. Um, I I'm gonna take my odds with them in a slowed down game, than my odds with Cornerstone Christian in an up and down game that more suits what Richmond Heights wants to do. Um, I think they're all losing battles, um, but that would I would take those odds slightly over um, Cornerstone Christian, um, but yeah, we'll see. That's why they play the games.
0: Definitely, um, definitely a fair assessment, especially in a in a frantic pace game with a guy like Derek Barber that makes a lot of great decisions with the ball. Um, all right, so we'll finish out the show with this. Uh, I'm going to call this on the spot. Okay. All right, so. Yep. In Division One, I'm gonna give you these five, let me look here. I'm gonna give you these five teams. Centerville, Saint Ed's, Saint V, Pick Central, Saint Ignatius. Is the state champion coming from one of those uh members of that quintet?
2: Yes. I agree. I think over fifty percent at one of those five women.
0: Okay. I'm in agreement. Division 2. Bishop Reedy, Taft, Dayton CJ. Is the state champ coming from one of those three teams?
1: I would also say yes.
2: I'm going to sell because Taft and CJ have to play each other. So at max, you can have two out of the four final four teams. So I'll take my odds with two and potentially three, depending on what happens with Bishop Reedy.
0: I like it, so Roth. i gonna jot Roth down here for selling that one. Um, all right, Division Three, Lutheran East or the Field?
1: I will go with Lutheran East. I will as well. Um, but me and
2: TJ did kind of argue about this like a week or so ago over how how close it would be, and I was on the closer side of that argument.
0: Closer to the field you mean? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I um you know, there's a old saying if you get a team in the field, um, take the field, but um I'm probably buying that one with you. Um although I do think division three has a lot of good teams. Um all right.
1: Yeah, I think similar to, to last year, I think division three is going to be probably the most competitive final four that we'll, that we'll get. Uh, I, I love the, the idea of, a of a Lutheran East and, a Iowa Glendorf matchup. Uh, I think that would be a lot of fun, uh, or, um, a Lutheran East Emmanuel Christian rematch. That was a, a pretty entertaining game for about three to three and a half quarters over at St. V back in early December. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of possibilities in division three. Um, but going into it, uh, I think this tournament just in general is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, like I, I tweeted this out the other day, I have not seen this much parity across the board, especially in Division I, since my time covering the entire state of Ohio.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, last one. we got about a minute left. Richmond Heights in Division Four for the field.
1: I think this is very very clearly Richmond Heights Uh, a year ago, they didn't have a single game that was decided by less than 20 points in the postseason tournament. And I, I think there's a, a slightly good chance that they could do something similar again this year. Uh, I think this is the best Richmond Heights team that I've seen in the last seven or eight years.
2: I think a better question will be, will any game be within 15 points? Um, And I think that's a nice toss up. That's before we wrap up. I think that's, We'll see. Uh, We'll see if anybody can push him.
0: All right, fellas, for TJ Petros and Mike Roth, I am Kurt Stubbs, and this was The Drive to Dayton. Hope you guys come back for episode number two.